Welcome back to the On Life Podcast. Today, we are speaking about um, abstract and thesis tips, or just maybe just writing tips in general, which uh, if you're an online student, you know you have to do this in every one of your classes, whether it's a discussion board or a paper. Mm-hmm. Um, so hopefully this is some really um, just, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, Marissa? Very um, beneficial. Beneficial information for you mm. as you <laughs> uh, go through your classes. So, uh, Marissa, while I'm speaking to you, maybe I can ask you, who's our guest today? Today, we're going to have Jeff Valeriotti. He is an online writing center administrator, so a couple of you can get in contact with him, hopefully, if you need help. He's also an adjunct professor of graduate writing. He's been in that position for a few years. So we definitely have an expert on this topic, and we're very excited to hear from him. Thank you. It's great to be here. Absolutely. Well, jumping right into it. I guess the number one question that I think a lot of people have is what is the difference between an abstract and a thesis? Primary difference between the two largely has to do with the size of it. Um, An abstract, I always like to equate it to a a business executive summary. You're summarizing Mm -hmm. in about 150 to 250 words, somewhere in that range, a paragraph that encapsulates your main topic, summarizes the main arguments, and gets to a conclusion. So it's a good, well-written paragraph. A thesis statement, for example, though, is just one sentence, and it Mm. can only be one sentence, typically is contained within an abstract or an intro paragraph, but that one sentence is similar. I'll give an analogy of, it's like a trailer to a movie. In that trailer, you've got to, of course, trailers today give a lot more than they should, (laughs) giving away the ending. But in terms of a thesis statement, it's a single sentence that states your topic, your primary argument and evidence, and the primary conclusion. Mm -hmm. So that sentence does have to do a lot, but it is not a long-winded paragraph describing your entire paper. It's focusing on the central argument and the primary conclusion. So you really do have to be brief and concise in your writing. And the great part is it's a process, like all of writing is. Mm -hmm. You draft it, you massage it, you tweak it. You can go through the whole process of writing your entire paper and come back to that thesis statement and revise it and fine tune it even one more time before you submit. Mm. Yeah, I found that Back when I was writing papers, my like I would do the thesis first, and by the time I was done the paper, I'm like, all right, this is totally different than what I exactly. thought the thesis was. Like when you find that one article that debunks your entire hypothesis, like, you're wow. like, yeah, okay. I just won't include that source. Very true, and it, and that is part of the process. Yeah. And I know there are people who put themselves through the stress, and it's what often leads to writer's block. They're sitting struggling to try to write this particular sentence, which really is a focal point for the paper. And, and they haven't yet fully researched or they haven't mm. yet dove in deeply enough to the research to realize, you know what, my argument isn't as supported as I thought. I need to revisit it. So yeah. totally cool. right. And it's writing is about rewriting. And I think that's mm. a key. It's about revision. It's not about sitting down that first time and and drafting your paper from beginning to end. Most people write the abstract after they've written the paper yeah. because mm. at that point they can from their recall, having yeah. researched it so deeply and written about it and, and put in evidence supporting their arguments, they go back and they write that paragraph to serve as the 150 to 250 word 
summary of mm. the paper. So yeah. writing is rewriting, and it really is. And don't trip yourself up thinking, I've got to sit down and tap this thing out perfectly from the first draft and get my grammar right and get my paragraphs right. Just start writing. Start writing. Yeah. Provided you've researched. <laughs> you can't start writing without the research. And that's a whole nother topic for maybe another day. And particularly because plagiarism is such a huge, mm. yeah. huge topic right now with artificial intelligence, with yeah. all of those things. We know our online students avail themselves of quite a few tools. And unfortunately, uh, the tools that look attractive are the ones that save time. And sometimes yeah. Yeah. they can be tempting. And that's where... Praise God, we teach at a Christian university where we can address the heart matter of what it is to be honest and, and, and have integrity with mm. your writing. Exactly. Yeah. What are some things maybe to, to look for or to focus on when you're doing the, uh, the abstract? I would say the primary thing to focus on is stepping back and, and seeing has your abstract accomplished what it is intended to do? And that is... If anybody off the street read your abstract, is it comprehensive enough that they would be able to walk away and have a really good idea of not only what your main topic is about, but what the primary argument is behind that topic and what the primary conclusion is? Mm. They, the abstract, they, shouldn't, they should be able to read it and have great understanding, even from that one paragraph. There shouldn't be jargon terms in it that they would be like, oh, well, I guess I have to read the paper to find out what that means. <laughs> or there shouldn't even be quotes or citations in it. Nothing like that. It should, it, you know, and if you're writing on APA 7 guidelines and standards, yeah. um, APA gives you very strict guidelines uh, on how to write that abstract. But a good abstract can, can tell anyone this is what my paper's about. Here's the core argument that I'm putting forth. And here's the conclusion that has been drawn from the research. It should stand alone and it could serve as a wonderful description just to hopefully whet their appetite to read further. Um, typically after the abstract, you do put those keywords in there. And those keywords are similar to Google search terms. Mm. If, your, if your paper gets published, somebody should put in those keywords and up comes your abstract and will tell others down the road, hey, this is a paper I want to read because it connects with the topic I'm researching. Hmm. Yeah. The going back to something you yeah. kind of said, you always have to research before you before you write. And I think this <laughs> oh, yeah. the, what I'm about to say applies a little more to fictional writing sure. than it does to research writing, but they call it a planner versus a pantser. Have you heard the term? I have heard that. Have you heard them, Brian? I have. No. You say pantser? A pantser, yeah. So is a that planner, a German tank or is that like pants <laughs> like that you're wearing? A planner is going to be someone who plans out everything, does the research figures out what they need, has the, the plot written out, the key points, the mm -hmm. the um, climax, the resolution, and they plan everything out. A pantser, on the other hand, flies by the seat <laughs> of their pants. Oh, okay. Yeah. okay. Excellent. So, that's right. Yeah, that's yeah. great, great distinction and great analogy. Yeah, so I think that's something that when you're talking about, you have to research. You can't you fly do. by the seat of your pants. Mm -hmm. You cannot. And you bring up a great, there's another P word. I'm really big into alliteration, but there's process to mm. research paper writing. Yeah. And we're talking about abstracts and thesis statements, um, which 
goes to the heart of a research paper. There's there's a verse I love to share. I, I also have the, the blessing of being able to moderate and post for our social media page for the Online Writing Center. Mm-hmm. And I'm often pulling in writing tips, but oftentimes I go right to scripture to really remind our members, but also those that come upon the page about the process of writing. And, and this verse is from Luke 1, right from the beginning. And Luke Dr. Luke writes, many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. That passage from Luke, it points to the process. It says there that there's a clear order and investigation. There's a clear stated purpose. There's an audience for the writing. And it really demands our attention to the process of writing. If you try to bypass any of those stages, your paper will be less than it could be. And I guess at the end of the day, most students are like, bottom line, what's my grade on this? And they'll find their grade is often reduced if they don't follow that process, if they haven't done their careful investigation, if their writing is not done with precision and order and structure, God is a God of order and his word is order. And our writing, while we are not writing scripture, we are writing an account of something that is preparing an argument. So it speaks to it. Now, I love creative writing too. I also write poetry and there is such a freedom to that. You're Yes, you're not restricted per se, but even within it, there's an order to the mm-hmm. writing. Yeah. So I always really try to stress with my graduate students who, who are looking for ways to, let's face it, our, our online students are juggling work schedules, school mm. schedules, home life. Their time is precious. And I try to give them tools and techniques to help them meet with success in their writing, understanding their limited time. And when I was in my master's at Liberty, I'll confess, I was one of those too. That was, it was, you know, the, the assignment was due Sunday at midnight. And there I was at 1150, yep. still putting in the final <laughs> footnote or that, oh, that bibliographic me. entry is not quite right yet. And I know most of our students labor over the formatting because mm-hmm. that's where you lose a lot of points is, did I comply with Turabian guidelines? Or if you're an APA 7 or MLA, formatting. Most of the questions I moderate during live chat with our students. Students can log into live chat throughout the week, and I'm there, and my colleague is there to answer questions live to help them. 90% of the questions, sometimes I get good writing questions, but a lot of times is how do I how do I do my reference entry for this source? Mm. And so sourcing and documentation mm. is important, just like Theophilus was being written about from Dr. Luke. So uh, it, it is. It's 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 a process. And you know what? I know we're crunched for time, but go through the steps of the process and I'll be I, I, they don't believe it on the front end. But if you go through the stages of the writing process, it'll be that much easier to write your paper mm. instead yeah. of sitting there at the beginning, try to tap something out and your mind is all over the place and you've got your sources everywhere on different screens and you're like, I'm pulling from this and I'm picking from that, but it's just not coming together. It's because there's a process. Yeah. What are maybe some some pitfalls to avoid when you're writing your abstract? I would say pitfalls to avoid uh, (laughs) uh, is writing one that's way too long. Uh, There are sometimes, the biggest pitfall to avoid is... um, 
keep conscious of your word count. You got to keep conscious of your word count. And again, even with the abstract, it's about revision. Go back to it and really strive to keep within that range. Do not feel you have to write a mini paper. That's not what it is. It is a wonderful summary paragraph that gives highlights and and gives an overall picture. Um, But it, it is not writing the paper. So the pitfall to avoid is is excessive writing. The other pitfall to avoid are those classic run-on sentences. Mm. I have received paragraphs that are one sentence. And wow. It is a 200-word yeah. sentence no. and a lot of conjunctions and a lot of – because I think the thought sometimes is, well, my abstract is just a blown-up thesis statement. So I will just expand – and it's like, okay, now I've just written one long run-on sentence. So pitfall, another pitfall to avoid, um, don't feel you have to, in one breath, get it all out. Vary your sentence length. Vary the structures of your sentence. That's how you're going to engage the reader. I don't, even if it's a dry topic research paper, you can engage the reader with really compelling writing. I've interspersed some really short, brief punch statements that are very brief compared to the very long run-on sentence. So that's another pitfall to avoid. Stay within those guidelines. Uh, Professors do look to see, because it's a quick thing to grade upon, did you go over the length of the abstract or did you, on the other end of it, sometimes I see 80-word abstracts. Those are too short. Um, There is a length requirement for a reason. It's because of the structure of a good paragraph has those elements that make it a good paragraph. So don't abandon the rules of grammar you learned when you were early on in taking English 101 or even in high school. Take those paragraph writing standards and apply them to this abstract because it's going to make sure that you not only hit all the points uh, that it should have, but you're going to be within the length guidelines. Wanting more assistance in your writing assignments? The Online Writing Center works with you to find your strengths, weaknesses, and areas of growth for your various writing needs. The Online Writing Center offers flexible hours and detailed analysis of your current writing assignments. Their peer tutors will help all students move closer to achieving their academic goals. Grow as a writer today by visiting their website at www.liberty.edu forward slash online writing center. All righty, welcome back to the On Life podcast. We are still here with Jeff Valeriati. And I guess the, I'm going to go off a different question than we actually had planned. What are some of the resources and why are they so valuable to online students? We talked about it a little over the break, but just yeah, so that. Yeah, just like the Online Writing Center yeah. Yeah. exists, and a lot of online students don't even know about it. It's so true. Like it's true. What, what are some things you guys do? We, we have a number of things that really, we are there to help students online meet with success in their writing. And we've got a number of excellent, excellent resources that are free. They're out there. They're available to our students. And I'd say that one of the premier ones is we've got a whole library of formatting resources and writing resources that review topics from comma usage. We have wonderful APA formatting guides. We have a format quick guide for Turabian, MLA, APA7, AMA. If you have a certain writing style guide and need quick answers, log on to the Online Writing Center, go to our webpage, and you will see access to all of these. We have templates, we have sample papers, but one of our coolest services, um, our review service. We have expert graduate writing tutors who will look at your paper 
and in 24 to 48 hours can give you the full gamut of feedback on your grammar. They'll point out suggestions for improving your sentence structure, your paragraphs, your thesis. They will look at every one of your bibliographic entries and give feedback on your reference entries. And did you format this correctly? So, and I know a lot of times students think I'm pressed for time. I'd have to finish my paper yeah. way ahead of schedule That's to get it say. submitted. It's like you can't wait till 11.59. It's true. You can't wait to the bitter end. But if you can even just budget in 24 to 48 hours and get us a draft, even if it's a partial draft, don't feel you have to have your paper completed and in what you consider to be good written order to submit it. Get, get four or five pages submitted of it so you can get the feedback process started. And in 24 to 48 hours, you will have a detailed review with margin comments about, here's a suggestion of what you can do to uh, uh, improve your use of semicolons throughout the paper. Here's a link to our writing aid. Or here's what you can do to make sure you're in compliance with APA 7 guidelines. And we'll give them links to resources. And we'll even point out suggested ways to revise run-on sentences. We don't edit and we don't rewrite papers for our students. <laughs> but I, I am very serious when I say the feedback that our tutors provide genuinely points them in the direction of producing a better finished product. And we've had so many students come back to us afterwards and say, you know what? My paper was so much better and I, I got an A on this paper and my formatting is getting better. And that's what we like to see. We also offer live chat where if, let's say somebody is down to the nth wire, they can log on and we have 10 minute chat sessions where they can fire off their questions. And if it's a, how do I improve this sentence? What can I do on this reference entry to get the formatting in line? I can't find a, a, a DOI or a URL link that works. We'll help them. That's what we're there to do. We are there to truly help our students become better and more efficient writers and follow that process. So uh, we, we do. We have a lot of great resources, and we've got a team that literally works every day of the week, pretty much 365 days of the year wow. to help our students. The only time we break is at Christmas time. And that's because we know our students are 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 working on their papers sometimes seven days a week at different times. Yeah. So we're there to help. I think maybe kind of shifting gears a little bit, um, something that I mentioned in the intro was uh, discussion boards. Yeah. And I feel like um, – mm. In my experience going <laughs> through online classes, those have either been really good or really bad. Yeah. And um, mm. <laughs> that's something that I think everybody at some point in their Kyle's journey is going to have to rate a discussion board. Yeah. What are maybe some tips? Like it's like in my mind, it's almost Great like question. a mini paper in a way where it's like you, you know, got a I, smaller word count. <laughs> I'll be, I used to say that very same thing throughout my um, master's program. I viewed the discussion boards oftentimes as – small papers, because quite often professors require you to answer quite a bit, and they are looking for a word count that is the equivalent of about a four-page paper. Mm. And here's what I advise all of my students, because and I get a lot of online chat questions about, help me with my discussion board. I don't know where to begin or how to format it. And one of the most important things I can I can't emphasize this enough with them is approach the writing of that discussion board as you would a paper. Make sure you're prepared, make sure you've got evidence, make sure you've got sources. 
professors do want them to format them. So you do have to have citations. You often do have to have a references page. So don't treat the discussion board as just a conversational kind of online message board where mm. you can just freeform your thoughts. You want to approach the discussion board post like you would a paper. And I know sometimes students don't like hearing this, but it really does benefit them to go through an outline, develop an outline that yeah. helps organize their thoughts so that they are communicating and in, uh, in a way that engages other students with that discussion post, but that it covers all the bases. And here's, some, here's another thing I've got to say, and I can't emphasize this enough. Read the assignment instructions <laughs> yeah. and oh look gosh. at the grading rubric in advance. Yeah. I tell that students more often than not, quite often in the assignment instructions from the professor, they've given them this golden nugget of information to include in the post. Yeah. And there is a tendency today because of you know social media and because we work in text world and bullet points, and we want high level. We don't like to take the time to read the thoroughly the instructions. I'm telling you, the assignment instructions are golden. And so is the rubric. It tells you what the professor is looking for in the content and the grading of that discussion post or a paper. So take those, take that time up front to thoroughly read the assignment instructions because I'm serious. Nine times out of ten, it, it, prov it provides you with the outline for what you're going to do in your post or your paper. Take the time and read it. I know people sometimes say they don't like to take the time to read all those finer points, but you need to. Do, yeah. do yourself a favor and don't lose points for things that you could have caught on the front end because you've kept those assignment instructions handy. I say the thing, same thing when writing an abstract or a thesis statement. Look back because the professor often will give you the point of argument from which you should be you know, the lens through which you should be writing your paper or your abstract or your thesis. Those yeah. are some great things to keep in mind as you develop your discussion boards. And we even get students who submit their discussion boards to the Online Writing Center for tutor feedback. We're happy to do that. We will look at discussion board posts. We will even, we have students who are concerned about their response to other students on the discussion mm -hmm. board. They might have to respond to three to four other students. They'll submit four paragraphs to us to give feedback on on their That's their, cool. their um, responses to students. Again, we don't rewrite or edit them per se, but we often will give the kind of writing feedback that will tailor it to an effective discussion board post. So don't hesitate to use those uh, review services, uh, whether, again, for formatting, grammar, or both. Yeah. Yeah. Well, as we talked about discussion boards, we have to talk about discussion board replies. Mm. Quite frankly, a Great thorn post, in my Marissa. side. <laughs> <laughs> thorn. We love pulling thorns you, out. I have yeah. written discussion board posts that are like, Dear Lindsay, Sue, Marie, and <laughs> Trying Smith, to get your word count. <laughs> thank you so much for the impeccable effort and dedication that you put towards your discussion. I am working to get that 300 You're word count. Get it. What, what do you say to students that like to them? Yeah. Like, in my book, to be frank, like sometimes I'm like, I feel like this discussion board reply is a useless academic tool because mm. the discussion board in and of itself doesn't merit Well, you a have reply. to read the person's post. 
I read them. She, you read it. You're being complimentary. You know what? Listen. But it just feels like I, you're complimenting I, them. I and do. That doesn't feel <laughs> like and it. I'll be honest. I grade, yeah. personally as a professor, I grade um, quite a few discussion board responses and uh, the content. I, as a, for me personally, can I only speak for myself as a professor? I appreciate affirming complimentary things about the substance of the post, and that's the key. I automatically pull out uh, word count usage <laughs> phrases and statements that really are perhaps being written to meet the word count. <laughs> I focus on the meat of what is written. And here's the difference, too. I do give specific instructions on what the substance of the email reply should be. I, I tell them point blank, it should focus on a key point of the person's argument in their original post. Yeah. And you must respond to it in a way that extends the conversation poses a question to them and causes them to dive more deeply. Now, I will say this. There are many a student who has reported to me that they feel that professors don't read their mm. responses and that it is just checking off a box on a rubric to see that they responded to three to four other students. Um, is there truth to that statement? Well, I don't want to get anyone in trouble or give names. However, <laughs> I, I am certain to some degree, when you look at the weighting and the grading of an entire term's worth of work, discussion board posts play a factor in that. And in the interest of time, yes, yes, there is truth to the fact that we do look to see that students have interacted with a minimum number of students. And if they don't, they lose points. We do look to word counts. Uh, I think it depends upon the course um, if, if there are, I have seen posts where it is purely just very complimentary. Thanks for your post. It was great. I really enjoyed it. I loved what you said. Thanks so much. I hope to see you in another <laughs> term in a class. Uh, those, I, I deduct points from those types of posts because, mm. and I do, I always feel I owe my student an explanation for why I deducted the points. I also like to let them know I read every word of what they've written. Um, to let them know we're not. I was an online. I was an in-class instructor, and in the online world, you've got to have conversation mm -hmm. via these boards, mm -hmm. and it needs to be engaging, and it needs to be interactive, not just. Uh, and I'm not saying yours were affirming <laughs> soliloquies, but did it extend the conversation? It's and the I'll pose the thinking. question back. Yeah, yeah. I, I, it's, it is. It is about critical thinking, and it's about deepening the discussion because you can add something. There are students who challenge other students in their posts. And I actually love those because it gets a conversation started. And especially not inflammatory words or personal attacks, but <laughs> if there is a good counter argument, yeah. dive more deeply. And, and again, you, I'm not going to draw judgment on any student who is pressed for time and needs to tap out four responses in the last 10 minutes before mm. the weekends. <laughs> uh, I get it. I have said many complimentary things when I was a student to other students. Um, I did always try to interject something. And as you could tell, I'm a man of many words. So I sometimes <laughs> went way too deeply. But I, I think you've got to temper it. Yeah. But I want to applaud and affirm you for writing kind and encouraging words. I think it's a blessing. I'm an encourager, and I think you should encourage this. How come I haven't gotten any of these? I was about to say, I'm going to be honest. I, I've got a complimentary post here and there, but there's been a couple that I've lit into some people, and I feel guilty. Don't feel guilty. But like, it's, it's a discussion board reply where I'm like, I don't think you understood the process Excellent. of the assignment. I don't think you understood. Well, that's the, the critical of thinking the part of it. Yeah, that's and the so discussion. I, I, nobody else does it, and they're like. 
good job. And I'm like, I think you <laughs> could have done better. And I feel bad. Good for you. Don't but, feel badly. Yeah. Oh, no, 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 no. Professors love to see that kind of thing. Quite yeah. honestly, as a writer, I, I love to see that engagement. And you should challenge. I don't think we should ever just compliment somebody for the sake of a compliment to write an affirming word. I think if there's something that you need to help in a respectful way, challenge, like a Socratic, go, challenge, yeah. point out the flaws in their thinking. I've seen statements that... I've seen statements that take scripture out of context. Yeah. I go after those, as a student, I go after those, well, and as a professor too, I go after those seriously. And I mm-hmm. think it's important to do that because yeah. I don't ever think for a moment that I just want to check off a box on an assignment. Yeah. So as a writer, good for you. I think you should challenge. Um, and I know it's considered, sometimes discussion boards are, you know, people give them secondary attention because they're focusing on their major assignments. Mm. But at the end of the day, a lot more times discussion boards are increasingly becoming part of the writing process. It helps you develop your thought process Mm. toward writing a paper. There are times many of those discussion posts, you are gradually forming and fleshing out your outline as you're writing a paper. Because often the topics Mm -hmm. the the professors assign on discussion boards will relate to some aspect of your paper. So use those as opportunities to flesh out your rough draft. And then when it comes time for writing your paper, you, you've got some formulated thoughts and you can anticipate counter arguments mm-hmm. to address in your paper. Use discussion yeah. boards to your advantage. Mm-hmm. I consider it a compliment yeah. sandwich when I do replies. You open, <laughs> I, no, I do. I think yeah. it's the best way to do it. That yeah, way yeah. You, I've, I've actually heard that before. We yeah, kind of start you open out. it. You do. It's, called, nice. it's like we call it two strokes and a poke. You, yeah. you kind of you give those strokes. You want to stroke. I, I, I Listen, I again, I Gotta love to encourage people. <laughs> I want to encourage them before I attack them. No, yeah. I'm not attacking. <laughs> but, but before I, I don't want to just come across with a critical spirit. Now, my role is to find and give feedback. Feedback. But I will tell you this, and so I hope students understand this too. We are not at the online writing center there to be the gotcha kind of, oh, mm. look at this mistake you made in your writing. Every one of our tutors looks for opportunities to write something affirming and positive about something within that paper mm. to say, well done on this paragraph. It's brief. It's concise. It is, to the point, well-constructed, well-written. I, I want Students can easily get discouraged in their writing and feel frustrated by it. Oftentimes it's because maybe they weren't equipped. Uh, I don't mean to call out my daughter, but throughout her entire bachelor's degree at a very good university, it was not Liberty, but uh, she um, did not have to write a single research paper. <gasps> and this was a very important degree. I'll have to talk to you after At the this. end of the day, and her dad is a writer, and she's a wonderful writer. She didn't have to write a paper. What? I've had many, I've had students say, this is the first research paper I've ever written. Now, these are master's level students. Wow. And they will confess to me right off the bat, I have never had to write a research paper before. This is my first one I've written as a graduate level student. So, um, again, <laughs> I'm not trying to throw anyone under the writing bus, but uh, I think, I think Expressing yourself in written communication form is critical to building arguments and to yeah. to composing and, and, and developing a very orderly, logical thing to it. And to not write, uh, it's why we're seeing an overall decrease in, I'll be honest, we're seeing a decrease in writing skills. 
uh, because the bar has been lowered to some degree in the expectation of writing. Most will say, well, you get online and you research and you can copy and paste stuff. Well, that's plagiarism. But <laughs> at the end of the day, you you need to develop that skill. Yeah. So uh, we're here to help. We're here to also affirm you and guide you toward becoming a better writer. And we want to compliment the things you're doing well. Mm-hmm. And then hats off to all those undergrad grad, uh, grammar teachers and English 101 teachers who really try to yeah. build. There are times I have to recommend to students they could benefit from uh, an undergraduate English 101 course on basic writing. And they're intelligent people. This is not an, a, a, a statement that, oh, if you're a poor writer, you must not be intelligent. Some of the most brilliant people just don't express themselves well in writing. However, it is a skill like any other, and with practice, you can become a better and better, more effective writer. Um, So uh, for my own daughter, who will be going for her master's at some point, um, mm -hmm, I'm here to help with those papers, dear. (laughs) The online writing center is here. (laughs) Yeah, I think that was the last question I had for you was, um, and and you kind of touched on it in in your last answer there. have have we seen a really like large decrease in writing capability like i'm thinking of like yeah. because we shorthand everything in text form and everything yeah. now like on our phones mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like i've seen people go you are for your yeah. uh, i see that in, in a discussion research board. papers yeah i do uh great question and a gr- and i again i am not by making this statement or observation attempting to put students or professors under a bus. Uh, we could talk about Christian worldview. We can talk about, uh, I try to tell my students all the time, approach everything with a Colossians 3.23 attitude. Do everything as though serving the Lord, not human masters. For me, what that means is I want you to imagine turning in this paper to the Lord himself. Is it your best effort? Is it your best writing? Our culture will demand less and less and less mm-hmm. of us in for the sake of convenience, for the sake of time. And it's all about me, 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 you, 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 and your time. And I, so... In answer, yes, there has been, on average, there has been a a decline in the overall skill of writing and the art of writing and the science of writing in favor of very casual conversational writing. I often will see many contractions. I will see Mm. text speak. I will see incomplete sentences that are, hey, that's fine for some social media interaction with your friends on Instagram or or Facebook, but, um, or you're going to send out a Twitter. I'm telling you, it, it has, in a way, really hurt formal academic writing skills because most people are now accustomed to expressing themselves more casually. And when they have to write formally and follow the rules of formal academic writing, there are challenges. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, I'll even say it in terms of length. The course I teach, there was a time, and I've been teaching this course since 2009, uh, we required an eight-page paper to be submitted for the body length. Over time, we recognize this is becoming an increasing challenge in today's culture. Mm. Uh, that was reduced to four pages uh, to as a minimum. And so wow. it, now with the bar brought to the four, now we still demand the same things. We look, because you can give feedback on writing in a two-page paper or a 10-page paper. But now with the four-page requirement, we're even seeing the creeping in of submissions that are two and a half pages, wow. three pages. I think our sin human nature seeks to get by with maybe doing the, bare the very minimum. bare minimum and maybe yeah. even skate by a little less. 
because I've got other things I've got to do and I've mm-hmm. got a lot on my plate. Uh, so we, again, we keep a standard, just like there's a plumb line in God's word when we talk about how we shall be measured uh, and thank Thank the Lord Jesus did what he did on the cross so that he counts us as righteous. But in our writing, we hold a very firm plumb line on the rules of writing, sentence structure, mechanics, grammar, all of those things. We want to give the standard and allow the student to apply that to their writing. And many have <laughs> many have admitted and have come back to us with great gratitude for helping them raise the bar of their own writing for themselves personally. They've seen an improvement in their writing. And that's the blessing for us. We come alongside students recognizing the challenges they face, and we want to help them succeed in their writing and become better writers. So while a culture may say it's okay to do one thing, oh, we know who our benchmark is, and yeah. we, want to, we, want to, we want to help students meet that. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you so much for joining us. You're uh, really Pleasure appreciate to be here. it. Now, before you leave, we have a little game that we play, and um, <laughs> I I totally forgot to mention this at the top of the episode, but Patty <laughs> is out sick today, so we have a co-host named Patty. Oh, Patty! She was, Sorry, I missed you, Patty. She was so excited to be here, and then she got sick. And she's the one that has all of our little questions that we ask. But, but I have one Marissa. Written. Oh, you do? Marissa's written All right. Well, then in place of Patty, Patty, we hope everything's going well with you. But what's, <laughs> what is the question? Um, What is your favorite home-cooked meal, either from childhood or now? Oh, that, I have to say, is, is easy for me to answer. I am blessed with an amazing wife who I met at eight years old. We met in the Aww. third grade. Aww. And my wife, we've been married 37 years, and she is an amazing chef. Um, her, the, one of the favorite things she makes is a tortelloni with gorgonzola cream sauce. Mm. The gorgonzola oh, yeah. cheese and the cream sauce that she creates... This is not a low cholesterol or what I would say you should put on your diet if you are looking to shed a few pounds. Uh, But it is amazing. It is what I request more often than not when it's a favorite uh, holiday or a birthday. She says, what can I make you? Uh, Tortellini with gorgonzola cream sauce. So that is my Mm. favorite of Mm. all time. Brian. Still is. I'm going to keep it Italian. Excellent. My my, um, Italian grandmother from New Jersey... Makes a uh, makes a ziti that is just oh. Is it like a baked ziti? I'm baked Italian ziti. too. Oh so. yeah, oh yeah. The baked ziti, oh. uh, you know, just so so good. Like I'm doing the chef's kiss hands right now for those of you who are listening. God bless our grandmothers. They and, do have oh, some yeah. great recipes. Her um her her mother came over on the boat from Sicily. Mm. I mean, they're like Italian, and oh man. Oh. Let me My tell grandmother you. came over from Sicily. Really? Yeah, we can be related. Wow. Who knows? Maybe we are. <laughs> I am not Italian. <laughs> <laughs> but what's your favorite meal? Um, I'm the cook in my family, so I do. That's the true. It is, yeah. Good for you. Um, my favorite meal to cook and therefore to eat is gumbo. I make a, oh. a good gumbo, and oh, I every is... year when all my friends come back from summer, awesome. I have a gumbo party at my house, and I'll make a big pot of it, and I'll invite a bunch of people over, and we'll sit out on. My grass, which is not a front lawn because I live in a town <laughs> <laughs> but we'll have a little gumbo party. Oh, and that's that awesome. my, my favorite. Home How spicy do you, do you do you really turn up the heat in your gumbo, um, or no? I it's love pretty mild. Spicy food. I love spicy food, but okay. the yeah. gumbo it's more like Creole based creole. than it is okay. like spice. I don't put like jalapenos Got or it. any other like spicy pepper mm. in there. 
But I, I love me some good spice. What's oh, your uh, protein in this gumbo? I do, uh, do some mild crawfish. Italian sausage, shrimp, shrimp, and chicken. Okay, oh, so it's all okay. three. All okay. three. Oh, yeah. that sounds heavenly. Well, when is the gumbo party? <laughs> we'll be August. Yeah. <laughs> August, okay. <laughs> sounds good. Yeah. All right, well, again, thank you so much for joining us. This has been a great thank conversation. And, uh, well... Are you ready, Marissa? I am ready. All right, Marissa's filling in for Patty with our tagline, too. So, <laughs> This has been the On Life Podcast. Living in abundance wherever God puts you. Hey.